Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. It is time. Nah, I don't like this. Nah. <laughs> what? It's a good Stop. song, man. I, I don't like your lyrics. I like the song. <laughs> Hi, welcome to the Dyna- Dynamic Duel podcast, where we debate the superiority between Marvel and DC by comparing their characters in crossover battle simulations and reviewing their films and shows. I'm Marvelous Joe. And I'm his twin brother, Johnny DC. And this is the episode where we review The Defenders on Netflix. Hopefully you've seen it uh, all by this point. Yeah, so it was only eight episodes, uh, which... It was a quick eight episodes, too. It was too. really I was quick able to jam it out in a couple of days. I did, like, yeah, two, two, two nights was yeah. all it took me. So I, it, it is a spoiler review. All of our reviews are spoiler reviews. So make sure that you have watched the show before you listen to this review, otherwise, unless you, you are, like, a masochist and enjoy, <laughs> you know, having things ruined for you. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, was, I've been looking forward to the show for a long time. I have a lot of things to say about it. I've been holding, like, biting my tongue for, like, the past week just because I just want to talk about it to everybody. But I don't want to. I don't like talking about things before I talk about it in the podcast. I actually don't know anyone else who has seen it. Really? Yeah. In your personal life? Yeah. Not even your wife? No. Lame. No, well, she hasn't seen the previous episode, the previous series. I so. know like four people that. I, I think that's sort of like a barrier to entry too. Is just like if you haven't seen those episodes, you you're not going to know the characters going into this one. I, I would. Agree. I think a, a barrier to entry to watching the show as well is feeling that you need to watch all of the individual Netflix series for the, of the individual characters. Yeah. Like uh, I was watching it and I, initially I told my friend Sean, I was like, I don't think you need to watch all the individual shows before the defenders. But as I was watching defenders, I was like, it really helps if you watch the other shows. Yeah. Before this. Sure. Otherwise you're going to have Luke Cage's reaction. I'm the iron fist. Who? <laughs> or, or something like I that. I mean, you, you still get it. It's still funny, but it's it's not as impactful, I guess. You yeah. could technically you could watch this whenever. You don't even have to watch any of the previous shows to watch this, but it does help for, so. sure. for sure. Um, so uh, before we get into the news and everything like that, I do want to give a quick shout out to our good friend Adam Spees, uh, who has done who has been on the show before. You might recognize his voice. And he's also win won like a bazillion no prize awards for the trivia. <laughs> Yeah, from, yeah, we've we've done a, a lot of no prizes for him, but he also uh, was on the Ant Man movie review uh, with us mm-hmm. on on this show, and uh, he has his own podcast now called the Blast from Our Past podcast, and it's it's really cool. It's uh it's basically him and his brother talking about nostalgic like geek culture from the late eighties and early nineties. Yeah, things they enjoyed about growing up as a kid, 
and it's a lot of fun. Their their first episode was about uh, the never ending story and Thundercats, <laughs> and they talked about like who they would uh, cast in a Thundercats movie. And the second episode was about the Sandlot, which is a movie that I really loved as a kid. It was one of my favorite movies. Oh, yeah. So I mean, uh, if you grew up in the late '80s, early '90s, like uh, Jonathan and I did, and are interested in that kind of stuff, it's it's a really fun podcast. They only have two episodes out so far as of this recording, but uh, they'll have more up. And really looking forward to what they have later on down the road. Yeah. Um, and I also want to give a shout out to to Jay. Uh, do we call him John or Jay? His name is Jay, but he goes by John. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, he has a new podcast out, too, called Spoiler Country. Yeah, he, he was with us during our Man of Steel review. Yes. Yeah, he was another guest on this show. And he uh, his Spoiler Country uh, podcast is uh, another comics-related podcast, except it's more about the comic books. Like, he'll talk about the, the current comic books and everything. And they went to Comic-Con. It's, it's a good show as well. So be sure to check that out. Look that up. Uh, the Blast From Our Past podcast and Spoiler, Spoiler Country. Country. So... Um, and uh, also, I want to give a quick shout out to everybody who has left us a review. We've had a couple of reviews come in over the last few weeks on iTunes. Are, on iTunes. Uh, on iTunes. Yeah. Um, I don't really. I don't think I've noticed any other reviews on any other platforms. But uh, I'm so super appreciative of uh, J Dub Willie, Young Talks, Dranum Seventy Eight, Timinator, and uh, Mike Cusick. Yeah. Uh, for all leaving just really wonderful reviews. Um, it just melts my heart. I feel like I'm not, I'm not good at taking compliments. So when I read the reviews, I'm like, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. This is just a dinky podcast. But it's cool when people recognize uh, the hard work that you put into, you know, trying to make something special. Yeah, totally. I read those and I'm like, wow, maybe I'm not a total piece of shit. No, dude, you are. Oh, you still uh-huh. are. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thank you very much uh, to those guys. And uh, yeah, if you want, go ahead, leave us a review. Please... If, if you're not going to rate us, at least subscribe to the show because this is a bi-weekly podcast and, uh, and, you know, it's easy to forget about over the course of two weeks. For so, sure. Yeah. yeah if, if you want to listen to the latest episodes, please hit that subscribe button. And, uh, yeah, that does it for the shout outs. Uh, this episode, before we get into the Defenders review, we'll be going over the latest news. There's not a whole lot. Um, we have a few, a lot of, like, bad news yeah, it's stories. A, it's kind of a downer news yeah. Schedule. We had a there was a stunt woman driver who died on the Deadpool two set during a stunt, um, and there's a whole lot of drama going on with uh, the DCEU and the status of like their Joker movies and Batman and everything like that. Yeah, we'll be getting into that. We'll be getting to the IMAX news uh, regarding the Inhumans and how long their theatrical run actually will be now, and uh, probably the only bright spot of this is the Punisher Netflix teaser which we'll talk about at the end of the news, and we'll segue into the Defenders review. Yeah. So, first up, trivia. want to give a shout-out to adavid1341 on Instagram for sending in the correct answer for our last for last episode's question, which was, aside from Joss Whedon, name another director who has directed both a Marvel Comics film and a DC Comics film. This was a really easy one. A lot it of, was. Actually, a lot of people got this one correct. Yeah, it was pretty simple. The answer, obviously, was Brian Singer, who has directed the X-Men films and also directed Superman Returns. Right. So, uh, so David, you get a, uh, a no prize, a dynamic dual no prize, which is just a JPEG that we post on our social media that has your name on it. Jonathan draws a little character for you, and uh, I'll leave it up to him, too, for which one he draws. Yeah. <laughs> um, He's and, a DC fan, right? Yeah, yeah, he's a DC fan, so drama DC guy for his no prize. Maybe. 
Oh, my phone went off. Um, so this episode's question is, what were the first live-action television series for both DC and Marvel? And uh, I want to emphasize live-action, so not animated. And uh, 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 we'll give a hint later on in this episode. I was about to give the hint now, but we'll go ahead and... <laughs> Don't do it! <laughs> we'll give the hint later on in this episode, so listen for that. If uh, Go ahead and submit your answer to our Instagram, Twitter... Or Facebook, you could just do a search for Dynamic Duel, uh, DC or Marvel on those platforms and you'll find us. And uh, Or you could email us at dynamicduelpodcast at gmail.com. A random person who gets the answer correct will receive uh, a Dynamic Duel no prize. And uh, if you do write us in with the uh, correct answer, go ahead and let us know uh, who your favorite characters are, who your favorite Marvel and DC characters are. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, look forward to that hint later on in this episode. And uh, with that, let's get into the news. Yeah. So, a this is again, again, this this is not good news. This is done. If you're already in a depressed mood, awesome. Maybe <laughs> skip ahead a few minutes because. So no, it, this is totally for you if, if you're in that mood. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> this is tragic news. Uh, it is. It's sad. It's, it's it's never. It's it's always just super tragic when when someone dies on during the uh, filming of a movie. I don't think it's happened for Marvel or DC since uh, I think somebody died filming The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, yeah, he's another stunt guy. He's another stunt guy, and it, it just uh, my heart goes out to all these stunt people and 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 especially the victims of uh, or the, the victims' family here. Uh, she was a stunt woman driver named S. J. Harris, and uh, she was filming a stunt with on a it was a motorcycle scene, and she hit a curb and crashed, flew off the bike and crashed through a window and died. Um, What's even what's what's super tragic is that apparently there are a lot of reports going around saying that this could have been prevented. Basically, yeah, there was a big Holly, uh, Hollywood Reporter article about you know they they talked with with uh, uh, people uh, the stunt coordinators yes. essentially and and they were saying how they sort of they totally saw something like this coming, but the producers just kind of ignored. Yes. those concerns yes because she she was a professional motorcycle rider but she was not a stunt performer for movies this was actually her very first stunt on a film first take yeah and during their rehearsals i guess a lot of the stunt coordinators noticed that she wasn't uh handling the stunt very well and they were concerned for her safety they brought it up with the producers of the film who neglected it and uh basically their worst fears came true yeah uh, the producers liked having her as a, a stunt performer because she was a you know a gender and race match, which to me is, is kind Zazie of Beats for Zazie Beetz who, plays, B, who Domino. plays Domino, which is kind of a stupid reason because I'm sure there's been tons of, of films you know in the past where you know st- stunt performers have dressed up as, as women and we've never even known about it, right? You know, or the, you know, or they were a different race. It it, it doesn't. When when you're doing quick action work, why does it, it matter? It shouldn't matter as much, right. I, I think. Yeah, it kind of highlights a, a somewhat of a lack of di- diversity among the stunt teams because they were they actually S.J. Harris was actually the second driver that they hired for this role. They hired another uh, black motorcycle rider woman to do this stunt, but she couldn't do it as well. So they fired her and then brought on S.J. Harris. So the, there apparently is a lack of uh, African-American female stunt motorcycle riders. Uh, 
and I, I think I agree with this. Like in this case where, where special effects are at, even nowadays, you could have probably, you could have bypassed this whole thing yeah. by not necessarily worrying about that and, and making sure, putting safety as the top priority when it comes to stunt work. Yeah. Um, or even CG. To, to I mean, yeah. It, nowadays, like things that are dangerous, have them, you know, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't understand how something like this still happens in this day and age when we have, you know, like, you know, safety wires and, and CG and, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. And if, I mean, if, if there wasn't already a lot of focus on performer safety before, there certainly will be now. Yeah. Um, sorry, my throat was getting dry. <laughs> um, so the, what the stunt was basically was that she was supposed to exit a building and go down a ramp of three stairs. And then there was like a, a middle landing before there were more stairs. So the, the what the stunt was going to be is come out of the building, go down the ramp of three stairs, and make a hard stop on that landing. But instead what happened is, is she lost control, I, I think, of the motorcycle. She went down the three stairs, and she didn't stop. She went down a sub- subsequent uh, ramp that was six stairs long. She went into the street, went across the street, and hit the curb, and then went into the building um, on the other side of the street. No idea what happened. Um, but it's, it's, it's really unfortunate to, for, for things like this, for, for the, for the, not just the films, but especially the families. It's tragic. And the crew. It's super tragic. Yeah. I know Zazie Beats has made a few statements saying that she was really broken up about it too. And, and it, it really is, it's, it's, it's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, hopefully this does lead to, to, you know, more regulations and and more More sanctions more sanctions and stuff down the road just to make these films safer so that, you know, um, people don't lose their lives making funny movies, funny superhero films, you know? Do you think it'll have any effect on the Deadpool film? No. I hope they at least like do a, uh, like dedication. Yeah. I think they definitely will. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be nice. So... All right, on to more bad news or weird news. <laughs> Not as bad news, like in comparison, like it's 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 trivial yeah. comparatively to you know someone's life. Yeah. But uh, okay, so and, and and you know if you spin it the correct way, this isn't terrible news at all. Perhaps. Oh, I won't be spinning anything. <laughs> <laughs> so the Warner Brothers apparently is developing this is the no spin zone a Joker origin story film. Um, Jared, Lo- Jared, Jared Leto. You always say Jared Leto. I know. I don't know why I do that. <laughs> Jared Leto is not going to star. It's set to be outside the DCU under like this new sort of DC film label. Yeah, um, that's super weird to me. I uh, because like the way I was like I initially understood it was that this is kind of going to be like how they're doing the the Han Solo prequel, how they, like, recast Harrison Ford with a younger actor to do a story that takes place earlier but that's in still the Star Wars in, universe. That's still in-universe, though, you know? Yes. Yeah, and that was the whole question. And when they brought up this new, like, this new label, it makes it seem like it's Elseworlds. Yeah. Like they're going to start doing all these Elseworlds stories. And I'm like, don't do that. I mean, like, Flashpoint is probably as Elseworlds as you want to get at this point. Like, have an established cinematic universe before you start going into the alternate uh, universes. Okay, so if if you're not familiar with Elseworlds, you know, DC has has a number of of comic series lines that sort of allow them to play loose with continuity and tell stories that you wouldn't normally be able to tell otherwise. So that includes, 
lines such as Elseworlds. They also have uh, like All Star. Um, they have a, a Year or Earth One. Um, what else do they have? They, they have a number of them. Mm-hmm. And so some of my favorite stories actually come from from these lines, like Injustice, like and- Injustice, like like Kingdom Come. Uh-huh. Um, so Red Sun is one. You know, th- this this allows you to tell stories that you couldn't normally tell, like Red Sun, like Red Rain. Right. You know, the Batman vampire story. Right. But they are um, offshoots. Of they the are primary. definitely they're definitely offshoots. And one of the reasons like I could appreciate those stories is because I know what the prime core universe is like. Those stories are well established and being able to play off of those, you know, off the established uh, continuity, off the established continuity. You know, when you have an Elseworlds story of of uh, you know, the Waynes finding Clark Kent's spaceship or Kal-El's spaceship and then raising him and then Kal-El witnessing the death of his parents and him becoming a Batman. That's really special because you know that that same thing happened to Bruce Wayne. You know, you understand the context. Right. If 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 you don't have that context of like this this core universe, it's not going to make the the other stories as special. You know, Kingdom Come was is my favorite DC story of all time because it essentially is is a is a possible future of what what the the core universe could be. Um, so I'm part of me is super excited that they get to tell these stories. If they get to tell a Kingdom Come story, this is not bad news at all to me. But um, it, it, I mean, it, it all depends on on what they're going to do. So far, we only know of this Joker film. And it's troubling not only because, uh, like, it's set of the DCU, but also because I don't want a Joker origin story. Right. His origin is supposed to be vague. He's supposed to be, like, this really scary character. Yeah. And the thing is, is once once you, like, shed some light on something that's horrifying, it becomes less scary because you were more afraid of what's unknown. And Joker should be scary. Yeah. And I loved it in the dark Knight when, you know, he gave different versions of his origin yeah. of, you know, he, you know, his, his wife was disfigured or his dad beat him and, you know, stuff like that. That, that was so sinister and twisted because you know, he was lying. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. about these like really dark things. Yeah. And he, it was, it was, he was like, it was a joke to him. Um, so I don't, the only way this works for me, because I, I do like the, the director and the producer they have attached. It's Todd Phillips and Martin Scorsese, which, holy shit, Martin Scorsese is producing this. That is fucking fantastic news. I wish this was in DCU continuity. If I, No, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I'm so confused over well, this. Well, here, here's the thing. If it is, like, my theory where it is in DCEU continuity and it's just a prequel set in a different, like, in their, they, they're saying it's going to be set in the early 80s. But they're also saying so, it's not DCEU continuity. See that, but that's where they're not quite clear. Like they're saying it's when they say it's not DCEU continuity. Are they saying that it's not that, that it's not part of the continuity of the existing films, or are they saying that it's not part of the 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 timeline that we're currently at? I think it, I think it's outside because one Roman set up that timeline. If this is in the the eighties, then. Like that's well within the established timeline after Wonder Woman. You know, there's there's already this this definitive timeline that is, is being set up by that's by true. that film. I, I and and you know they keep talking about a new label. I think if it's not going to be called Elseworlds, it's probably going to be called like I don't know All Star or something like that. DC Extended Extended Universe. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know, maybe. But the only way this works, in my opinion, is if you like do a Kaiser Soze, where the whole film you think you're learning the story of the Joker, and then and then it turns out it turns it's out just a guy named like the Smoker or something like that. It turns out it's, it's it completely subverts your expectations. There's a twist essentially, um, and then he gets killed by the real Joker. Who know? Uh, who no, is Jared Leto? you're coming up with terrible, <laughs> terrible ideas. I don't want your ideas. Yeah, it's a horrible idea, but it would be funny. But that's the only <laughs> way I think it would work because I don't, again, want an origin story for the Joker. I want, I want you to make me think I'm witnessing the birth of the oh, Joker. Oh, that's what you meant by that. Yeah. Okay. Like a, a Kaiser Soze, like where he's telling his origin story and then it turns out to be false. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, and that then that would be cool. That's yeah. The Joker usual suspects. Exactly. That would be. Fascinating. That's the only way this works for me because I don't. I don't. But that, if that's the only way it works, you just gave away the twist. Way to go! <laughs> well, you blew it for everybody. No, I. <laughs> I mean, I, and, and you know, I guess you could say that the killing joke is sort of a Joker origin story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I. I don't know. I just know that. I. I never really cared for the killing jokes origin story. You know. Yeah. Um, well, we know the the DC television shows on the CW and other networks, whatnot. I think they're just on CW now. Oh no, there's Fox. So all those stories take place in an alternate universe to yeah. the movies. Right. They call it the multiverse. They don't officially call it that, but they I think don't? I think Jeff Johns has 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 used that word, but not like in, a, in any kind of official title capacity. Do you want to see? a multiverse that exists within the genre of film. What do you think of that um, concept for film? Is that confusing to audiences? It if is you, if you have super confusing to audiences. But then again, I mean, DC has had so many Batman films and so many Batman actors. And but people, not simultaneously. Not simultaneously. Yeah. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus because uh leaning into the next little bit there is a joker and holly harley quinn film in development as well yeah and that's gonna have jared leto and margot robbie and it's possibly gonna be called mad love yeah, it's it's from uh, the directors of uh, Crazy Stupid Love, uh, Glenn 
Fikara and John Rikwa, um, or Rikua, I don't, I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, I never, I'm not familiar, honestly, with, with any of their stuff. Um, but from what I've seen, people, people tend to, it's, it's not horrible stuff. I mean, they, they've done other, they did a focus with Will Smith and Margot Okay, Ronnie. I did see that. That's right. That's right. And they that did was a focus. pretty good movie. That was good. I never saw Crazy Stupid Love. I heard it was okay. I don't know. And, you know, uh, so, like, there was rumors earlier this week saying that, you know, people, people were wondering, oh, they're making another Harley Quinn film. Well, what happened to Gotham City Sirens? And then, you know, the trades were saying that, oh, that's off the shelves. David Ayer's relationship with Warner Brothers is no longer a thing. Good. But then today they came out with the news saying that, no, 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 this this Mad Love movie, if that's what it will be called, is actually going to precede Gotham City Sirens. Mad Love was, is essentially, spoiler alert, going to be the story of how the Joker and Harley break up so that she can go on to hang out with these cool hot chicks in this new super team. Gotham City Sirens. Poison Ivy and... and Poison Catwoman. Ivy and Catwoman. Allegedly. Um, which makes sense. You're not rushing things, I think. Um, if, if you're going to lead up to Gotham City Sirens, definitely with the way you left Suicide Squad, uh, because you rewrote that whole thing, that was supposed to be where she like sort of separates herself from the Joker. But that's right, because not... they had a much different relationship in the early cuts of that film. Yeah. They did reshoots to make the Joker and Harley Quinn relationship less abusive and more romantic right right um yeah so she was supposed to break away at the end of that film and that could have gone easily into gotham city sirens but now they have this mad love movie that seems to be serving that purpose yeah yeah which is kind of what you want to see i don't know like i know if you listen see, to our, see that's like this could be bad news or it could be good news if you, you know? listen to our suicide squad review you and i had huge issues with the harley quinn joker relationship yes. that was the yeah. way it was depicted in that the film. joker should not be loving the joker does not care for anyone other than batman yeah you know um so the fact that they had this romantic relationship in suicide squad so much so that he goes out of his way to save her and stuff like that he she is not his girlfriend like she sees him that way she yeah. follows him yeah but he could care less about her and it kind of sold he uses her, her story short because she's this super tragic figure yeah super um, tragic yeah and it made it less so it made her character less interesting i think yeah and you know i, I know there's a lot of people who probably would really hate the idea of of this idea of, of this abused woman in film um but that's also the character. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and it, 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 it serves an arc. It's a redemptive and story. It, and it's satisfying in that regard. Yeah. So, you know, no, it's not satisfying to see this abusive relationship between Joker and Harley Quinn, but it is satisfying when that abusive relationship ends. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to be happy with the Joker being in love because the Joker is supposed to be like this almost primal force. It's like the equivalent of having like Jessica Jones fall in love with Kilgrave in the Jessica Jones series. Right. Right. Exactly. Don't don't Cuz do their that. relationship is similar. That's twisted. Yeah. Yeah. Super twisted. Um what's uh, so uh, the other I guess um little bit of bad news for WB is that the Justice League Dark movie is back to square one. They had two directors make pitches uh, for the film, yeah. and I guess they were underwhelming. So they're going back uh, to start the script over, I Oh guess. my good gosh, 
please go back to Guillermo del Toro. That would be awesome. Like, Why? If it, if it went full circle. Yeah. Um, they, they got the guy who uh, wrote Prometheus on Doctor Strange, or he did, I guess, drafts on those movies, John yeah. Spates. Yeah. Apparently, they tapped him to work on the Justice League Dark script, which is good. Which kind of bothers me. What? I don't know if that's good. Just because, like... I didn't I, care for Prometheus, and I don't want him to sort of so, approach the magic of DC the same way he approached the magic of Doctor Strange. Well, that's not a given. Apparently, he wrote a draft of Prometheus that was rewritten to be worse. A lot of people have read John Spate's version of the Prometheus script online and said that it was even better. Well, that's encouraging. Um, I don't know that. He also did the story treatment, not the screenplay or the script, for the Mummy, the new Mummy movie. Hmm. So uh, I heard that was okay. Um, I heard it wasn't bad, but the fact that he has this, the this experience in these sort of like supernatural occult uh, kind of films, kind of, I think that's good news. I think he has the. It's it seems like the right flavor for it, this type of film. It makes sense why they would approach him with something like this. Yeah, uh, given his 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 background of of the films he's worked on. Um, but seriously, just go back to Guillermo del Toro's script. Have him work it into the DCEU. Maybe not his script, the DC Films they universe. Like it. But just get him as a director of the film. Absolutely. I want to see... Ron Perlman's not going to be Hellboy anymore, people. Let's oh, get yeah. him to be Swamp Thing. Yeah. Get him to be Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing. It's, I, it's, you, you want a home run? Make Ron Perlman Swamp Thing. Oh my gosh. Just do that. And, and, so, and Ewan McGregor, make him Constantine. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. No. Or, or uh, Imbruges guy. He was Bullseye. What's his name? Colin Farrell. He would make a good Constantine. Well, th- those were early rumors, right? Right. Um, but no, like, if you want some goodwill, Warner Brothers, because, like, all this, like, you know, people love posting bad news about your films. Make Ron Perlman Swamp Thing, and there you go. You're set for the rest of the year. And Guillermo del Toro, the director. And the Guillermo del Toro, director. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Was that English, what you just did right there? I don't know. I don't know. I just mumbled. <laughs> I don't know about Ewan McGregor. As all right. Jonathan. He, he, what? Do you want to keep this bad news train rolling? Let's do it! Woohoo! Let's do it! All right. IMAX shortens the theatrical run of The Inhumans. It was supposed to be in theaters for two weeks. Now it's only one. And now it's only one because apparently it sucks. Yeah. Apparently. Uh, the way I like to think of it is that maybe it doesn't suck and maybe they just put it in IMAX for one week to try to, like, you know, get fanboy hearts beating thinking that they, oh, that I need to go see it. I have even less time to go see it. So they're like, by shortening the supply, you increase the demand, right? Right? I suppose. Right? Fans who were like, eh, I may catch it, and are like, oh, shit, I only have one week to catch it. Yeah. You I may guess. not procrastinate. I already have my tickets. I already have my tickets. I'm too. not looking forward to it, like, at all. I listened to some cast interviews, and the guy who plays Black Bolt, I can't remember his name. I'll have to show you the interview. He gets that character. Whether that that translates to to the screen, or that translates to the script, does the writer get the character? Does the writer get the character? Right, exactly. But the guy, the guy who plays Anson Mount or something like that, Anson Mount. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Uh, yeah, he when he the way he gave his answers, I was like, Hi, uh, hire this guy to play Black Bolt, <laughs> <laughs> which they did. Um, he, I, I'm optimistic. I've seen some new photos. Of uh, Medusa, and her hair does not look terrible. I think they CG'd some of that. They may have CG'd it. They may, the, she may have just been having a bad wig day the day they shot those photos. Those photos or for those entertainment trailers. Weekly. I don't know. 
But no, like, these are stills. Yeah. And, like, uh, I thought her wig still looked bad in, in like, the trailers that they've released. Um, but, I don't know, these photos look pretty damn good. Yeah. It looks like real hair. It, it I mean, it, w- the first promotional material that came out for this uh, Inhumans series was abysmal. It has slowly been getting better ever since then, to the point where... Even like with the release of these latest uh, IMAX or yeah uh, posters, these film posters, like these character posters, they're really well done. I think they they look exciting to me. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, like if they had started off the marketing like this, I'd I'd be I would have lost my shit. I'd be losing my shit right now. This whole this kind of reminds me of like Suicide Squad because you remember the first photo that they released. Oh for yeah, that, that was horrible. <laughs> like no one liked that. Everyone thought it was horrible. It was like dark and grungy, and the characters looked character designs looked really different. And, it was like weird. with the Joker and yeah. yeah. Um, and then the marketing started getting better. And yeah, it was like a fantastic marketing. And then campaign. we all know how that film turned out. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, we're going to review it in our next episode, the the IMAX special. Um, when I bought my tickets, I went onto the uh, Inhumans Facebook page to like be like, hey, I bought my tickets. Yay. Woot. And I was reading some of the comments of uh, the the post that they had done. Don't read Facebook comments. <laughs> Never read. It's like they're almost as bad as YouTube comments. The Inhumans uh, Facebook pa- uh, page made a post saying that tickets are now for sale. And any comment that anybody made to that, there was this guy who was like, don't buy tickets. It's, uh, they're cutting out, um, like however many minutes of footage from the version that will show on TV later on in the month. Yeah. He was like, just save your money and wait until the end of the month to see it. And then he actually convinced a lot of people. It's kind of true. It is true. And, And honestly, I didn't respond because I have no argument to that. It's true. Um, what you're seeing on the big screen, it's a trade off. Yeah, you're seeing it bigger, and you're seeing it the way it was meant to be seen, but you're also seeing less of a, it. an incomplete version of it. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just a mis- They dropped the ball on how they set this whole thing up. I was super excited about the concept of, of debuting a superhero uh, television series on the big screen. Yeah. That, I, that's something I want to see more of, honestly, but not the way it was executed here. Yeah, they dropped the ball, for yeah. sure. And hopefully it's good. We'll see. We'll we'll talk about it next episode. We'll find out in how a many week. days? A week? A week. Less than a week. September. Uh, I got my tickets for August 31st. Huh. So here's hoping. Cross your fingers. You two listeners, you cross your fingers. <laughs> if everybody crosses their fingers, this this will turn out all right. But you got to cross your fingers. <laughs> unless you're driving. All right. Um, and... That brings us to our last news item, uh, the Punisher Netflix teaser. Yeah, this this so this was tacked on at the end of the Defenders series. Yes. And it's sort of, you know, like their after credits scene. Yeah, it was only about a minute long. Uh, it kind of reminds me of a Ford truck commercial because he spends <laughs> Punisher spends uh, most of it um, taking a sledgehammer to some uh, concrete, I think. Which I, I think it might be, uh, I think I've seen imagery like this before. I think it was done in John Wick. That's where he, like, housed his armory which, which yeah. under some concrete and he yeah. broke into it. I, I can't remember if I've seen it before that, too. But I did get a little bit of a vibe from, the same vibe that I got from the first Punisher theatrical film with Thomas Jane uh, in 2004, 
where after he kills Howard Saint, like he explodes a bunch of cars and the the flames of the cars form the Punisher skull el- yeah. emblem. Yeah. And it was so ridiculous. And all the time, <laughs> I was like, why would he do that? Is he like advertising to like, cause like nobody around the scene would be able to perceive that it was the Punisher skull. So it must be to only people who are like flying overhead. Yeah. It's, it's, it was a stupid idea. Um, and you know, him, him hammering the ground with a sledgehammer and then it creates the Punisher skull emblem. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. That last <laughs> shot where it's just like the, the Punisher skull emblem with the hammer next to it. Like my first reaction was like, oh, he's an artiste. <laughs> he's a sculptor. <laughs> um, that being said, the tone of the footage is wildly different from that silly little moment. I hope this is like the craziest shit I've ever seen. Cause there, just, there are parts in Daredevil, like like especially season one. Like that the got, prison? Like, no, not season one, season two. Well, yeah, I was going to say season one, parts of Daredevil season one that were like were super dark. Like when the guy killed himself by ramming his head into that sharp object. And then there was, uh, you know, just the kingpin killing, decapitating a, a dude with a, a car door, you know? Yeah. Like I want, like this should be that dark. Um, because uh, the thing about the Punisher is like even in the comics, like... He's not a good guy. Like he, he's an he does he does some things that's like, you almost have to laugh because it's just so horrible <laughs> that you're just like I can't believe he just threw a guy off the Empire State Building. Kind of. <laughs> he's stuff. a bad guy, but he only does bad things to bad guys. Yeah. Does yeah. that make you a good guy? No. <laughs> he's an anti so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's just, a- just because of how ruthless he is. Like he's not just gonna run over a bad guy. He's gonna hit reverse and back up over the bad guy and keep going over and over again until the guy's like uh, just nothing until he's nothing, you know? Yeah. It's just over the top. Um, and I, I, you know, I, and I, I remember reading an article where, uh, the actor, John Bernthal was, you know, he, he was making sure that the producers of the show didn't make Frank Castle come out to be a good guy, which I think is perfect. He knows the character. Um, and th- that's the Punisher I want to see. I, I want to see, I also want to see the Punisher wearing the skull in the trench coat. I feel like we don't see that enough. I feel like, you know, it, w- it was at the end of this, this preview, but it, yeah, it wasn't a lot in, uh, in the random shots. Although we only get quick flashes of, of what the content of the, the series is. Yeah. We do see that, uh, some of it takes place during his military days. Yes. Yeah. Which is great. So if they go over like the, the Punisher max, the, the Punisher born story arc where he starts, becoming this slight vigilante character like he's uh during his time in vietnam right i think that'd be fantastic i don't although think he's not gonna be in vietnam he's not gonna be in vietnam they've already established that he was like a desert storm guy yeah. i believe so yeah. um it it, it it makes me look forward to it as, as cheesy as it was that he was sledgehammering a skull um it, the the tone you're absolutely right was was definitely set and I'm, I'm totally looking forward to this it's it coming out this year right has there been an official release there has not been an official release date yet. They're just they just keep saying twenty seventeen, and we're already in August. I, I'm assuming it's going to come around the end of November or the beginning of December. But you would think that we would have already heard that by now. With my luck, it's going to come out like the Tuesday before Justice League. That's what I'm thinking they're going to do. What a that's, bunch of fuckers. That's totally something that they would do because they did that with Daredevil and Batman vs Superman. Yes, <laughs> and they did that with something else too. What was it? Um. I forget. Yeah, I can't remember either. I think it was with Iron Fist and 
No, it was... Was it with Iron Fist and Wonder Woman? No, it wasn't, because that was in June. Anyway, it's something that they would do, and they would kind of hold off onto it just so that they seemed less, you know, like assholes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I mean, if that ends up happening, what we would do is we would review Justice League first and then review uh, Punisher after that. Yeah. We would give we would still give each one its own episode, review yeah. episode. So. Yeah. So that does it for the news. Uh, and, yeah, uh, yeah. So let's go into the review. Wait, no, of no, no, the, no. The I forgot to add something to the and, list. I forgot to add something to the list. You just ruined my perfect transition from the Punisher <laughs> to the Defenders. I totally what forgot, are you talking about? I totally forgot. To, uh, uh, Starfire was cast in the Titan oh, series. Oh, yeah. We should probably talk about that. Huh? <laughs> Dan, I'm sorry. Um, you blew it. I did. <laughs> okay. Um, so what? Uh, Anna Diop. Diop. I don't know. Diop. Uh, has been cast as Starfire in the Titan series, which is set for DC's new, like, their new streaming app for next year. Yeah, that's going to be really yeah. awesome. We out. talked about the, the uh, cast casting of um, uh, Raven, um, which is Tegan Croft, but the uh, Anna Diab, I'm not really familiar with her. She was in uh, 24 Legacy, uh, Quantico. She is gorgeous. She It's really she good casting stunning. because she is fine as hell <laughs> um and starfire and is supposed to be she yeah i mean starfire is supposed to be really tall i think we mentioned that like in our last recording and this anna she has legs for days she does it's uh, it's crazy what's interesting though is that she looks much older than raven yeah raven that's still like, a concern of mine she's the actress that's playing raven what's her name again uh tegan croft yeah she's only 13 years old yeah so, and then you have uh, this actress, what's her name? Anna Diop. Anna Diop, who looks like she's in her mid-20s, maybe late-20s. Early, yeah, in her 20s, definitely. Um, early 20s? I don't know. I'm bad with ages around, she, I mean, that, she, around that time. I, th- I mean, I think, she, I think if, if she was cast in her early 20s, she could pull it off. But she's probably in her mid-20s. I don't know. I thought Margot Robbie was older than she was. And she's only, like, freaking 23. It's ridiculous. Really? Margot Robbie? I, oh, I mean, if I'm so old. I know. Why? Damn it. So I think she's like twenty five or something so, like that. So but so okay so and Nightwing is probably going to be around this age too, like mid twenties. Yeah, because there's probably going to be a romantic so relationship. I wonder there. how old Beast Boy is going to be. Like, is this going to feel more like less of a team? Like, what's the dynamic going to be? It almost seems like a family, huh? Typically, yeah, exactly. Like, typically the the Titans team, they're all around the same age, you know? Yeah. Um, it's the teen so Titans. They feel like peers. I'm hoping this doesn't have any kind of like. Father, daughter, mother, son dynamic. Well, I mean, yeah, that brings up an interesting point is because this show is specifically titled Titans, not the Teen Titans. Right. I don't know if if it's to distance itself from like Teen Titans Go that's currently on right now Mm -hmm. or something, but it is is interesting that the age difference is. You're definitely going to have a mother-daughter relationship between starfire and raven i mean just with the age difference how could you not have that unless they could somehow sell raven as some kind of like old soul or something or someone who like acts much more mature yeah for all we know like she could be like three thousand years old or something like that you know is that is that possible what's i don't know raven's backstory so i don't know well i mean she's you know the daughter of this demon trigon i'm not actually sure how old she is that's a good question uh, in the comics, my knowledge gap okay. is showing. Ew, <laughs> um, but no, I mean fake I, fan. I, you don't even know how <laughs> old Raven is. Um, if I mean, for all I know, the, if they wanted to, they could say that she is in in this That's series. True. You know, yeah. So, 
Okay. Fuck, how old is Raven? We'll have to look Raven. that up for you right now. <laughs> lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right. Well, uh, I think that does it for the news. Way to ruin my perfect transition from, def- uh, from Punisher into, into Defender. Defender. Yeah. But now it's in my bed. <laughs> yeah. Let's get to the main event of Defenders. the show. Defenders. Defenders. Season one. Let's review it. All right. Time to review the Defenders. Uh, it's been a long time coming ever since 2015 with Daredevil season one. Yeah, it's, um, it's like, you know, I mean, it's always meant to be like the Avengers of these Netflix shows, but it right. literally was. <laughs> I, I, are there phases? Is this like the end of phase one, I guess? Um, I don't think so. I don't think the Like the hand is like the overall arching phase one villain? Possibly. Um, I hope we move beyond the hand in the subsequent series, in the seasons, subsequent seasons. They left it open, so who knows? Yeah, who knows? But, um... Yeah, ever since that first uh, Daredevil season one, I've been looking forward to it a lot. My expectations were super high, and for the most part, they were met. Um, I think the show was a whole lot of fun. I think it was a great mashup of these worlds that were actually a little bit more... They were uh, The disparity between the shows was greater than what I had initially thought, and you don't realize that until you're watching the show and you're seeing how the worlds come together it comes together in a truly satisfying way, I think. Um, and yeah. I think they nailed the character motivations. I think they really nailed the interactions between the characters. It felt very believable and credible. Um, the, the action was fantastic. It, it was, was so much better than Iron Fist 3. My expectations for this show weren't that high. And I, th- I think, I mean, it's not that much more difficult to be better than Iron Fist. <laughs> But I think, uh, it yeah. definitely was. I definitely liked this show. I definitely enjoyed the, the series. It's nice because, you know, the show's series like Daredevil and Jessica Jones were so good. And Luke Cage and Iron Fist, not so much. But it was a good lead-in because it set your expectations low, <laughs> you know, so that they would be surpassed or at least met with this Defender show. I think if the Defenders came right after Daredevil, Daredevil Season 1 or 2 or whatever, uh, it would have felt like a step down. But this definitely feels like a step back up, I think. The Marvel Netflix shows are, you know, back on top. Really happy with the result that they came out with. Um, especially, I, I really enjoyed the the eight-episode season as opposed to the 13-episode season. Yeah. I don't know if this would have been as successful with 13 episodes. The pacing was, was great. There wasn't a time at all where I felt like, oh, this was a wasted episode. Right. There were some scenes where I'm like, okay, yeah, there, this is maybe a padded scene, 
but there was only they, they were far and few between. Yeah, like maybe like it was three very rare in yeah. the whole in the whole season. So that was good. Really liked that. It's definitely the most fun of the Mar- Marvel Netflix shows so far, um, and and that's something that we haven't really seen. Like the 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 previous shows have been really serious and true to their themes. This one didn't have like a real deep theme, basically. Not not one at least that resonated. Like, Teamwork, I guess. Yeah, like like maybe with the hand, there was like the fear of death, and with the defenders, it was like yeah, like overcoming yourself to become sort of part of something larger. But they kind of got that out of the way real quick. You know, it wasn't it didn't take that long. Yeah. Um. So plot synopsis. What 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 is what is the show about? I have a. The it was to me it was essentially about you know. It, it, when they said early on, like in news stories talking about, you know, the lead up to Defenders and when they said that Iron Fist was going to be like, you know, the key to bringing the group together, like he was the literal key to bringing <laughs> the group together. Right. You know, um, so to, to me that, you know, the synopsis for the show, if, if I just like told someone about it, like, oh, what is the show about? You know, it's, it's about, you know, it's really about three superheroes coming to protect another superhero from an evil organization trying to destroy New York and live forever. Yeah, trying to destroy New York City in their quest for immortality. Yeah. Um, basically, um, I the the overall plot I think was slightly more shallow than the individual series. Yeah, it certainly was... the most extravagant. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but not in a horrible way necessarily. It just wasn't. It as worked. Deep. It worked. It worked. Um, it felt more like a superhero show than, say, any of the other ones. Like Daredevil Season 1, which was very much a crime drama yeah. that just happened to have a superhero in it. This wasn't that. This wasn't a crime drama. This was a superhero show. Yeah, for sure. So, um, and th- that's not a bad thing. Um, not when it's well done. Not when it's well like, done. And this was well yeah. done. The 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 only place, I think, where, the, where this dropped the ball is... Well, it's not the only place. But the key ball that was dropped was the villain uh if you're gonna have a a show that is strictly a superhero show you gotta match it up with a villain probably i wanted this villain to be on the same level as kingpin or Kilgrave. absolutely and 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 alexandra wasn't essentially but we'll get into her did you say alexander alexandra alexandra yeah alexandra alexandra wasn't and we'll get into her as we as we go through the characters so let's do that let's go through the characters um and their performances and, and what you thought of them. We're starting off with Daredevil. Obviously, got to start off with Daredevil and Matt Murdock. Um, I think Charlie Cox stood out as the best actor and probably the best character of the entire show. I but, still, the man that with that guy, he. It must be really hard to not be able to focus your eyes when you're acting. You know, yeah. just seeing the way he 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 moves around the set and and looks at things. And, you know, the way he emotes, the way he shows, um, uh, you know, his emotions without focusing his eyes on anything. That's got to be such yeah. a huge challenge, but he does it so well. Yeah, he's pitch perfect in his, his portrayal of Matt Murdock. I'd consider him among, like, the top tier of some of the best superhero castings of all time. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, there's, I don't think there's many actors that could do what he can do. So uh, there was, like, a scene early on where we see him give the closing arguments in a trial that, that he's uh, doing. And that was like a cool one take setup. It was yeah. beautiful, and we see him like give like his sage advice to the to the handicapped kid. Yeah, that was a great scene. Um, his performance is just so good. 
Uh, I also love his confessional scenes, like how how he showed how Electra's death really affected him. And all of that just like made me really wish that I was watching Daredevil season three. <laughs> like I can't wait for Daredevil, Daredevil season three. As it's good true. as this show was. Um, it wasn't as good as Daredevil season two. Right. And it wasn't as good as Daredevil season one either. So that show is, is, is awesome. It's so good. Yeah. Um, so as far as like motivations go, I thought they were pretty good. Like he, he wants to, to save the city. He knows like what his duty is. He, you know, he knows he needs to fight the hand, but he wants to do it his way. He was the is, most reluctant one to join the team. Yeah. Well, for except sure. for Jessica Jones. Like, um, maybe, I guess. Like he, But he wants to do it his way, which is like, which is less amoral than Stick's way. You know, he's never wanted to go along with Stick. And, and he knows how dangerous the hand is from his experience with him in Daredevil season two. And, you know, Electra's death. He doesn't want others to get hurt. Or maybe he doesn't trust them uh, enough not to get hurt the same way Electra did. So those are his motivations for the show and for why he you know joined the team and everything like that. Um, and I think they were palpable. They were, they were good. They were credible. I yeah. liked them. Yeah. What about Jessica Jones? Jessica Jones, like her cynicism kind of annoyed me. Kind of like, it dude, does. it's like you, you come from a world where like a guy can control people with his voice. You know about the Avengers and you know a team that has... Norse gods and green monsters in it, you know? Right. Yet the idea of, like, resurrected ninjas seems strange to you. I hated that, too. <laughs> um, but during, like, that's how she started. During the course of the show, it was nice to see her cynicism kind of melt away uh, as she, like, realizes that working with th- these guys is, like, the right thing to do and probably her only and best option. She comes to, like, trust them and work with them. And maybe, you know, even willing to die alongside them. She did have, like, an arc, you know, where she kind of grew out of her shell a little bit. Yes. You know, I think she's, nice. st- she's still healing from the whole Kilgrave thing. Yeah. Um, and that was apparent from the beginning when she, you know, she starts off in the bar. Yeah. And really, she ended at the and bar, And she ended too. up at the bar, too. But there was, like, hope at the end, you know? Right. She's, right. Where she asks about the coffee. And it's like, hey, 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 whoa, whoa. <laughs> he has a thing. It's okay. He's... He's good. And yeah. The girlfriend but it apparently. was nice because they kind of sowed the seeds there a little bit, showing that she's still interested in them. There's still potential for them to come together and make babies, you know. Which is going to happen. Which is going to happen. <laughs> happen in the comics. Right. Uh, Luke Cage, I really was a real fan of him. He was like the heart of the team to me. Like, he was certainly the most moral figure, which really came into play during the whole, like, do we blow up the building debate? Do we blo- yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and he starts off the story, you know, leaving the prison. He, he goes back to Harlem, and he just wants to help others. Um, and though he wasn't really excited to join the team, that was more out of, like, skepticism about the story. But morally, he was steadfast in why he got involved, and he remained that resolute until the very end of the series. Um, and he really seemed like the team's moral foundation. He's a, he's their rock. He, yeah, he's their rock. <laughs> um, you know, And he was cynical, too, um, like... And he kind of made fun of Iron Fist a little bit yeah. and everything. But that was funny. That's a, that's a, they have a good dynamic. That's a good relationship. Like, them, like, you know, ragging each other and, and stuff like that. I mean, those two have, like, they they end up becoming best friends. So it's kind of interesting to start to see, the, like, the start of that relationship. Yeah, because, yeah, like, Luke, like, initially, like, they, they kind of clashed. But he gradually opened up to, like, the stories of, like, the hand and Danny's dragon tales and stuff like that. Um, I think that he had a little bit of arc, too. I can't wait for heroes for hire. I still really wish they're combining that they would combine Luke Cage and Iron Fist season two into one show because 
Those yeah, dudes. I don't want to awesome. see them uh, apart. You know, it's it's honestly going to be really hard. Maybe not for Daredevil, but it's really going to be hard to see like another season of Jessica Jones without Luke Cage and another season of Iron Fist without Luke Cage because he seems like a really like good and important player in their stories. Yeah. I have a theory on why the next season of Iron Fist is going to be just him, though. And we'll go into that later, towards the end. Um, and we'll see what you think about that. Uh, Iron Fist, um, he's 5 million percent better in this show than he was in his own show. Um, it helps that he has a better haircut. Yes. <laughs> it's I, one of the things. Yeah, the hair actually did influence my opinion on him. Um, it didn't look like a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, ramen noodles on his head. <laughs> um, in the beginning, like, I was really on his side. Like, I, I I think I identified a lot with him when they first joined up because he seemed like the most excited by the prospect of teaming up. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, you guys should team up. And everybody was like, I don't want to. I'm like, you assholes. But, uh, and, and you know, that, that's, that's really what I wanted to see. And his motivation was, like, he saw the hand as a kind of adventure, um, like and also he feels lost and guilty about the disappearance of Conlon. Yeah, and he sees it as like his duty to fight the hand and maybe figure out what happened and maybe even form like a new family along the way. But I have to say, toward the end of the show, uh, he was just a fucking dumbass. He was making foolish yeah. decisions, thinking more with his fists and you know like less with his brain. I don't. I actually liked him more at the end than I did at the beginning. At the beginning, he really annoyed me because I felt really? like Colleen uh, Wing was more. Um, active. She she had more agency than he did at the very beginning of the show. Like the the first two episodes, you know, she was the one who was like, "Hey, yeah, we gotta stop the hand and let's go fight them." And and like even when they were like hiding, when they were like cleaning up the the bodies of the of the chased, um, like she was the one who like sort of like wanted to initiate that fight. And he was just like along for the ride. Yeah, kind of. I don't know. Like. Yeah, he was a little he was a little bit iffy in the beginning. He was better in the middle, and then towards the end, with things like, you know, trying to fight the other defenders to keep him from like hiding him away, and you know, fighting Electra with the iron fist, where she manipulates him into opening the door. Those were like stupid boneheaded moves, and well, like it's it's like the what was him the the uh, the the African finger of the fist Sawande Sawande. He was like, "You're the dumbest iron fist ever." I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, he kind of is. Yeah, he kind of is." <laughs> they they make him out to be such a dummy this this live action version of the character and he's not that way in the comics. Yeah. What I really want to see in the next season of Iron Fist is you know Ma- some maturity, a, a more mature Denny Rand. I think like the Daredevil's sacrifice or a you know, apparent sacrifice really inspired like, him. Really inspired him. Like I want him like I want him to really see him take up the responsibility to protect the city and everything. Um, although I don't want that to be the story of the next season, him protecting Hell's Kitchen. I want it to go to Kunlun. Um, and maybe that's where, like, they teach him everything else about the Iron Fist and even give him... Maybe show some dragons. Holy shit, like, go Game of Thrones. Yeah, and give him his traditional garb, you know, with the mask and everything like that. Maybe that's where he gets the outfit. Um, Because at the end of the show, he's, you know, he has his tracksuit and he's on the rooftop and he... I think my first instinct was, like, why the hell didn't you show him wearing the mask? Because he has most of his costume on right there, but he doesn't have the mask. And it would have been easy to rationalize in that he put the mask on because he was inspired by Daredevil. Yeah. And, yeah. and that would have been a perfect moment. But another part of me thinks is they might be saving the whole costume thing for when he returns to Kanlan and we get to see Kanlan and we get to see him learn how to be, do use everything else, do everything else that an iron fist could do. And we see him don the traditional iron fist mask. 
like what the what the uh, I think it was Orson yeah. Randall. I think it would. Show. I think that would be a better way to get him in the mask than maybe just have it tack on at the end of the series, just sort of cheaply like that. Yeah. yeah. Not necessarily cheaply because he, you know, you, you could understand why it would happen. There, yeah, yeah, there was definitely rationale, but maybe, yeah, maybe save it. Maybe the track tracksuit was enough because it was cool that he was wearing like a green, a green like jacket with like a, a yellow stripe. I noticed that and that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I did like that. But uh, yeah, he was just better in the show overall, and yeah. I overall all their motivations were good. Um, Jessica Jones, though, like I think about hers. I don't think her motivations were the weakest, but it was. I actually appreciated them because really her motivations for joining the team were primarily brought about by her selflessness and wanting to protect not this necessarily the city overall, but a but family, the, a family that she had kind of come to care for. Like she, you could tell she cares about her clients and stuff like that. She related to the asshole daughter. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> uh, so Alexandra, um, probably the biggest issue with the series. I bought Sigourney Weaver as like this classy ancient intellectual figure. Like uh, she was smart uh, and stuff, uh. but I don't buy her as menacing at all. Like def- definitely not like how Kingpin or Kilgrave were. I know. Well, when like Electra tried to attack her and like, she was doing like these slow motion, like judo moves. I was like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She definitely pulled a iron fist season one right there. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, uh, even, even with like the whole like like classy ancient thing, like that was like fucking annoying as hell to me. Like, like when she was really like, trying to oh home. yeah, this was really good in Con- in uh, Constantinople. Constantinople. <laughs> I think you mean Istanbul. She's like, mm, yeah, maybe I guess. <laughs> like, shut up. <laughs> you you know, if you're really so wise, you would know to fucking say Istanbul, <laughs> dummy. Are you yeah. trying to like reveal that like? It's just poor writing. They kind of beat you over the head with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think the major issue with the show was the lack of an imposing, effective villain. Because she wasn't that effective, you know? (laughs) No. I thought, like, I thought Sigourney Weaver, I thought she did okay with what she was given. But there, honestly, there really wasn't much for her to work with. Like, she was just kind of limp and forgettable, honestly. And, like, her relationship with Elektra... That was kind of like her whole purpose through the show was just to have a relationship with Electra. Yeah. But it was just strange. It was like, I got weird vibes from it. <laughs> it was like a mother-daughter, like like maybe she wanted it to be a mother-daughter relationship. But if it was like, if your mother was brainwashing you into a cult and yeah. you also wanted to eat the skin off your face. Or, I don't know. I just got <laughs> weird vibes. It was, it was strange. Um, but Electra, I thought, was okay. So I thought she was better than uh, Alexandra and Electra. Ended up supplanting her. Yeah, supplanting her. Like she kind of was the main villain, but I don't think she really counts as the main villain. No. Because we know that she is essentially on the side of good, even though we know from the Iron Fist show that the hands of resurrection process leaves you without a soul, uh, just like uh, Harold Meacham. Right. But uh, I think that lack of moral foundation without her soul caused her. That's what caused her to like kill Alexandra and act like how she was up until the very end when she was fighting. It was really hard to care about Alexandra when her real motivation was just to not die. Yeah. And then when like, when her subordinates don't even respect her, like how was I supposed to respect her as a villain or as any kind of credible threat? You know, the moment where she died, it was like this part where like, she was like gloating. She was like, you need to respect me. I did this, 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 this. I'm like, Oh my God, somebody killed this bitch. (laughs) 
and then it happened. But I was still surprised by it. Oh, yeah, like, I willed it. <laughs> I was like, did I will it into happening? Um, <laughs> uh, the other members of the of the the fist or uh, the or, or the hand. I thought that was it was cool. I, I like is that in the comics where there's like no. five leaders of the hand? No, they. I don't know if it was a retcon because of the disparity between the hand in the Iron Fist show yeah. and the hand in the Daredevil show. Oh gosh, I hope it was. But it made me like, honestly, it made me like the hand more because that explanation, because like there's five different versions yeah, of the hand. It's like there's five leaders of it and they all run their own individual segments their own way. Yeah. So I wasn't as upset by how the hand was depicted in Iron Fist anymore. Because they, you know, because yeah, in the comics, when I think of the hand, I think of like these like zombie the, ninjas, the demon ninjas that right? were in Daredevil season two. And yeah, we, yeah. And we learned that those, those demon ninjas, they're part of the Murakami sect. Right. The Japanese guy. The cool sect. Yeah. That's the, that's the cool. Everything else is hand. bullshit. Yeah, everything else. They're mercenaries and they're not ninjas and it's all bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I really still did not care for, um, Bakudo. Bakudo. Apparently he's like the South American or yeah. at least, it's where they're, each one comes from a different continent. Yeah. And the white person's still in charge. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, like uh, Murakami was like the Japanese sect and Sawande was the African sect. Bukuro was like, this, I guess, South American because yeah. they said he was coming up from South America. Yeah, yeah. Or South American branch. Yeah, was like China or Yeah, something. she was like mainland China and, and well, yeah. Yeah, because she had that facility, that drug facility in the Iron Fist show in mm-hmm. China. Mm-hmm. So. And then I guess uh, Alexandra was America, I guess. Yeah. But uh, yeah, g- going back to Electra and her lack of soul, I thought it was cool because like she was like not evil, but she was malevolent until like the very end when she was fighting Matt, and then she kind of like turned. Like it was cool. It was like it was almost like Daredevil was reasoning with her to try to help her find her soul again. I yeah. don't know if she'll if she ever will. But uh, it was a good little scene, I thought. I do have to say, it kind of like, you know, they, they were setting up Black Sky for two seasons of Daredevil. And yeah, it it was kind of underwhelming. It's like, I still don't understand. Like, was Black... Uh, Black Sky was supposed to, like, be the savior of the hand or, like, this, like, weapon of the hand. And, like... According to Alexandra, not everybody believed that. That's true. Well, it just shows how more incompetent she was and how terrible a villain she yeah. was. Yeah, that's true. So dumb. So, like, the Black Sky, as I understand it, it's, like, this uh, supreme warrior that is born, like, once a generation. And Stick killed, the, like, the, the one below Elektra in Daredevil Season 1. Mm-hmm. And, but they saw Elektra, and so she was able to resurrect her and use her. And, like, Elektra got, like, powers. Like, she was, like, super strong. That was I didn't notice weird. that. Elektra, yeah, she was, like, super strong. She, like... She I guess punch she was able to Luke take Cage out Luke Cage. Through. But I, I saw that more of just like expert martial arts than really? any kind of strength. I don't I, know. No amount of martial arts is going to make you punch Luke Cage across a room. I don't it's know. not like when she punched Daredevil, he went flying across the room that's, or anything like that. That's true. It was slightly vague. Like, it was very vague. But yeah. she was definitely more powerful. I like I liked her training scenes that she had when they first resurrected her and like they would turn off the lights and turn it back on and all the guys would be dead that she was training against. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but, like, essentially, Elektra is immortal now, right? Unless her head is chopped off? I like, don't know. Like Highlander? Because that's how it was in Iron Fist. Harold Meacham, he was shot by his that's son. Right. And then he came back from the dead. The only way you could kill Har- Harold Meacham is by cutting off his head. Well, then how did she kill Alexandra? She did chop off her head. 
She stabbed her through the chest. Alexandra right. fell, and then Electra cut off her head. And Stick cut off the head of of Sawande. Uh, Sawande. And uh, Colleen cut the head off of Bakudo. That's right. But Gao and I did not Emma make all those decapitation there. connections. I should have. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just desensitized to decapitations, I guess. I, I, although, I, that's to say, why, if, if it's just decapitation, why is Alexandra dying? So um, my guess is that you could either die through decapitation or you could live so long that your organs fail. I guess. I mean, I did find it interesting that like the male fingers of the hand were so much younger than the female. Um, Not so much. Well, yeah, the, yeah. the female were definitely the older ones. Yeah, that's true. It was interesting that they were like elders of Kunlun that were like cast out due to their, you know, uh, selfish ambitions of immortality. Yeah. Using, using the magic incorrectly, basically. Dragon blood or dragon, dragon essence. Bone, dragon bones, I guess. I'm assuming you like ground it up into a powder and then you put it in like a smoothie and then you, and you put it up your butt. Then you put it up your butt. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was like black. I guess it was so they used the substance to resurrect Electra and they like poured it into like this like coffin thing. Yeah. I guess that's how it's worked or how it works. What did you think of the supporting characters? Um, oh, like it was cool. Kind of cool that they kind of got everyone. But then again, yeah, all, like, like all interact, all in the same spot, all interacting. Yeah, like each of them had like two supporting characters. So like uh, Daredevil had Foggy and Karen Page, uh-huh. who was kind of annoying to me Karen, in this one. Well, th- there are some supporting characters that I liked more than others. Like Foggy and Karen, they were very much like you should not be Daredevil. Yeah, and so that was annoying. But, but like, but Foggy, was, Foggy's my boy. At the end, he's, he was. He's really he's uh, the actor who plays him. He's a really cool actor. He's, he's just a cool guy. Yeah. Uh, Karen Page was just a little bit too cry cry cryy. Yeah. Crybaby. But people like Trish and Malcolm from Jessica Jones. Like I liked them more, even though they had less to do. But I like them more because they actually like support Jessica Jones and want her to be, uh, you know, uh, who she is. Who she is. You know. As yeah, but you, you could say that Foggy did too because he brought him his Daredevil suit. Yeah, he kind of saved the day there. Yeah. As far as. Matt's identity. Yeah. That was a cool moment. I was yeah. like, you my boy, Foggy. <laughs> and then Luke Cage, uh, he, he had, had... Claire. Claire and Misty. And, and Misty. Although Claire's kind of everyone's kind of... But more so Luke Cage's. Yeah, nowadays, like. yeah. Because they do the hippity Claire did dippity. not annoy me in this... Uh, no. In the series. She super annoyed me in Iron Fist. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but she Rosario Dawson was fantastic in this, in this series. I thought she was going to die. I thought I'm she was going lie. to, too. Because... Uh, I don't know. It just seemed like like she, like she was the uh, what's his, what's his Coulson? Agent Coulson. Yeah, um, where she's in all the the different mm-hmm. franchises, mm-hmm. and she sort of like is the one like the catalyst. figure that the catalyst that brings them all together to go into the final fight. Yeah, uh, I I guess I'm glad that they didn't meet. Like they, it wasn't predictable, so that's good. Yeah, I always enjoyed that. Misty was kind of annoying. But it was also true to character. She was doing her job. Re- really, you know, she's frustrated with them because she's doing her job and they're not cooperating with her. So I see where she's coming they're from. They're going outside her, you know, the law. Yeah. And she did kind of redeem herself in the end by, like, you know, stalling the authorities. And I knew right when she stepped into that room, if Misty Knight goes in there and there's friggin' katanas being waved around, she's going to lose her arm. Well, I had suspected that because we saw set photos of her getting injured and being carried away. Mm-hmm. But I think I still didn't really 100% believe it that it was going to happen until it happened. 
because we saw her almost lose her arm in the first season of Luke Luke Cage. Uh, and I was like, oh, how come they didn't make her lose her arm, you know? Oh, when was that? I don't remember that. It was during this uh, episode when they're at the club, and uh, somebody she got shot in the arm, in her upper, just lower shoulder. Okay. And we thought we were, she was going to lose the arm, but Claire was able to use her medicine on her. That's right, that's right. Um, so I guess Iron Fist is going to pay for her mechanical super yeah, arm. Yeah, it's weird. In the comics, um, her arm is... From Stark Enterprises. Mm-hmm. And I guess in this one, it's going to be Danny Rand. It's weird that Danny Rand never mentions Tony Stark, and Tony Stark never mentions Danny Rand. You think Rand. they'd be like rivals? Yeah, kind of. But I'm really looking forward to see her having a bionic arm. Whether or not it's just going to be a standard like prosthetic, or whether or not it's going to you know do cool shit like it does in the comics, like mm-hmm. super strength or whatever, mm-hmm. is, it remains to be seen. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm sure, like, it seems like her and Colleen Wing are pretty... They, like, sort of went out of their way to make them kind of, like, buddy-buddy. Towards in this. In the last episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess... Daughters the, of the Dragon. There's Colleen Wing. I guess that's really the only carryover besides Bakudo from Iron Fist. Yeah, it was Colleen. And then, of course, Daredevil also, in addition to Foggy and uh, Karen, you know, had Stick and, and Electro. Stick was cool. Stick was... Stick is always cool, though. He is. He's so amoral though yeah but he is so hardcore like oh well i found it kind of weird that he was like sort of a follower of iron fist yet he was so much like wiser and mature and together put together than than danny rand yeah well the chaste is part of you know the enemies of the hand they're part of kunlun apparently and yeah he's following him but i don't know he i don't know he was just a badass i don't think it was weird that he was following him I was a su- super surprised when, like, he was going to kill him. But yeah. it made, like, he's a very logical being. It's part of who his character is. Yeah. Sad um, to see him go. I was sad to see him go. He's such a great character. I hope so- they bring him back in some flashbacks somehow. But, uh, yeah, I'll miss him. Maybe they'll resurrect him. Probably not. I, I think he's done. I, I think, think he's, he's done. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so. Um, Don't cheapen it by bringing him back, you know? Right. Yeah, I guess. All right, so that's it for the characters. Let's go into a quick story breakdown. I'll go ahead and give a synopsis of the episode and just speak up whenever you want if you have something to say. Uh, So the first episode was the H word. Uh, So while hunting the hand in Cambodia, Danny is told by one of the last surviving members of the chase to go to NYC where the real battle is. There, Jessica Jones takes on a missing persons case where she discovers the missing guy was stockpiling explosives. Well, just the, the sewer scene. That was a good opening. It was a good cold open. I think all of these episodes had a cold open. Um, no. Some led right into the other. Oh, oh, you mean before the... Well, that's Before the opening title sequence. All the, yeah, all the Netflix shows do that. I, th- I don't think all of them did that. Because I, I remember some of them um, started with the opening oh. the title sequence. And this one, I would have to say, is the least inspired of all the other the, Netflix the musical opening, opening title sequence. Yeah. Um, they really like just used like two different images, stock images of the, of, character. of the characters, overlaid and then, a map in New York. Yeah. And that, that was it. That was it. It was so cool. It was colorful though. I appreciated all the colors and no, nah, I didn't, I didn't care. The music for it. was okay. Yeah. It was, definitely it was the, weakest. the, it's the weakest one for Out sure. Uh, I still really like daredevils and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage's, Iron Fist was cool, too. It, it was cool. It was completely unrelated to the show, though, I feel like. It was better than the show. It was better than the show. 
Um, but yeah, it was, it wasn't like I was looking forward to, to the opening for, for this, uh, cause I thought it was, you know, finally all of them together and it kind of let me down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Luke Cage gets out of prison and learns about kids from Harlem taking on some shady work that is getting them killed. And Matt Murdock has given up being Daredevil out of guilt over Elektra and his friends. And Alexandra learns she's dying and speeds up a plan that involves digging deep underground in New York, which sets off a massive earthquake. It was a really good first episode. It was. It I set th- up, like, all the characters, like, you know, what they're doing now, like, in a really effective way. Yeah. I thought it did a good job of making, of making each scene uh, with the individual characters feel like the individual show that it came from. So the scenes yeah, yeah. with Matt Murdock felt like you were watching Daredevil, and the scenes with Luke Cage felt like you were watching Luke Cage the the Luke Cage show like yeah. his version in New York and his Harlem they use a lot of warm colors on that it's very yellow that that and, that was kind of jarring to me yeah but I, I eventually it, it all melded it, yeah, it was jarring yeah. but it, they were bringing people in from the individual shows like Jessica Jones version in New York uses a lot of cool colors a lot of blues, it was like a lot winter of and then when you went to Harlem it was like summer yeah it felt yeah different different and all the scenes with Danny Rand were very uh, earth toned and green like yeah like when they're like hiding from like just spying on the like um, all the chased when yeah, they it was died, all green. it was all green and when they were in the, in uh, colleen's dojo it was all green very and, and the sewer too and with daredevil when he was in josie's bar with foggy everything was lit red so the, there was a, yeah the color was really really prevalent i like the i like the cinematography of the show um i also think that the earthquake that happened at the end of the episode uh did a good job of setting the stakes showing that, like, all of New York was at stake, not just Hell's Kitchen, not just Harlem. Like, these are, like, Avengers-level stakes. Like, when you have an earthquake that affects the whole city. Yeah, I, I mean... Uh, and it probably comes out... It's probably good timing, like, because I guess in the MCU continuity right now, the Avengers are kind of split and apart. So maybe that might be that might be a good rationale of why the Avengers didn't respond to the yeah. New York attack. Is because yeah, honestly, the show fractured. can come out at a better time. Right now, with with the, what's going on in the MCU, because there's always the question of, oh, why didn't the Avengers jump in yeah. and, and stop this, you know, street level whatever? Right, exactly. Why didn't or they at call least the Iron Avengers? Man or, or any one of the fifty superheroes in New York? You know, yeah. I mean, if you're Luke Cage and you're looking for a job, why don't you submit an application to join the Avengers? Since you know you are a superhero, powered being. Yeah, you could get paid. Right, from Stark. So, uh, so that's it. Do you have anything else for the first episode? No. Episode 2 is called Mean Right Hook. Luke Cage follows some leads on the Harlem kids and ends up at the base of the chase where the kids are cleaning up the scene where Electra killed the last remaining chase members. Iron Fist also follows the lead there and ends up fighting Luke Cage in a misunderstanding. Uh, Jessica gets an office visit from the missing guy who claims he was trying to stop, quote, them by blowing up a building. Electra comes to kill the guy, but he kills himself. And Jessica chases after her only to get arrested and brought in for questioning. Matt gets back into a little hero action during the earthquake and volunteers to take on some of Foggy's extra casework, including representing Jessica Jones as her lawyer. Alexandra learns of a mystical wall underground that is blocking her plan and that the Iron Fist is the key to open it. So the fight between Iron Fist and Luke Cage. That's the standout. Was, yeah, definitely. Of this episode. Um, Um, It's cool because like you start, you have some of the characters start to meet each other at the end of this episode. They haven't all met each other yet. Right. But it, it, and that happens in the next episode. But like yeah. you see them start to interact in this episode, which is cool. Danny Rand meets Luke Cage, and at the end you have Matt Murdock meeting Jessica, Jessica Jones. Jones. Right. Um, that fight. And was, it all comes together like plausibly. 
Yes. You know, it wasn't forced. It didn't feel forced. Yeah. Um, and why, like, at first I was like, well, why are, why are Luke Cage, when I saw the promos, why are Luke Cage and Iron Fist fighting, you know? But it made perfect sense. Luke Cage was trying to prevent Iron Fist from beating up this kid that he knew, and Iron Fist saw, didn't know who the kid was, obviously, and was trying to, you know, get answers and everything like that. So the, the way they clashed, it was just brilliant. Yeah. And it was really fun to watch. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't think that Iron Fist was going to get such a leg up on on uh on luke cage iron fist is probably the most powerful of the group when he has his iron fist activated and uh, honestly i'm the show luke to to me like iron fist was still the weakest of the four members because he's still not the iron fist that i feel like i know from the comics like the iron fist from the comics doesn't have like this you know like erectile dysfunction order with his fist where he just has (laughs) trouble like turning it on and getting it up it's Uh, kind of ridiculous it's like dude he kind of does but he's much better at, uh, you know, using his chi more efficiently. And he's just so much more it. impotent, you know. It's probably a better way of saying that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's 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 I like it's like, dude, you have your fist. Use your fist. Use both fists. Use your fucking foot. You know, you're the iron fist. You you can do so much more than what you're doing right now. Yeah, yeah. Grab some nunchucks and channel your chi into the nunchucks. Or something. But yeah, but again, I guess that's that's just more of like how I wish they. It was just a more, I guess, further along, more mature take on the character. He's such such a kid. I, I st- I'm so hopeful that he'll get there. Um, but okay, episode three, worst behavior. Flashback to Electra's rebirth and training sequence as the amnesiac Black Sky. Alexandra imprisons Stick to learn where the Iron Fist is, but he escapes. That scene was awesome. I was so surprised when he cut off his hand. Yeah, that was surprising. I was like, like I didn't believe it when I saw it because like he took the sword and I was like, oh, he's gonna cut off his bonds and escape. And all of a sudden, I see his hand fall to the ground. And I'm like, <laughs> how is he gonna hold his stick? I was like, dude, you could have cut off your thumb. <laughs> that- you didn't really carry a stick in this one. Yeah, why didn't he just cut off his thumb? I don't know. <laughs> just break your thumb. Because pull it through the handcuffs. That's what you do, kids. Maybe he ever- just got done watching 127 hours or something. <laughs> something like that. All I know is that he made James Franco look like a freaking wimp. <laughs> Um, so yeah, he, uh, he escapes and, uh, uh, so use, uh, Iron Fist meets Luke Cage and they have this interesting discussion, uh, where like Luke Cage gets mad at Iron Fist saying, you know, you have not just like the supernatural power you have, you can, you could do more. He basically implies that he could do more difference with his billions than he could with his fists, which is true. And he's like, so, but instead you're attacking people at the bottom, people who are just trying to feed their families. And it makes sense to an extent. I mean, they're both, they've come from very different worlds that you can understand why initially they don't like each other, mm-hmm. but it's also a misconception. Like Danny Rand didn't actually fully come from this world. He grew up mostly in Kun Lun. But Luke also, Cage didn't know that though. The, the other hypocrisy is that Luke Cage fights people at the bottom too. Like when he's going through uh, Christmas But he doesn't acts, have billions either but he's also you know attacking and beating up and hospitalizing people who are trying to feed their families too he's doing the exact same thing iron fist is he's just coming from a different that is true socioeconomic class uh there's a little bit of hypocrisy there that they do address later on in the episode by kind of not addressing it but he's like so we can punch people now and he's like it's complicated and that's where they leave it Mm-hmm. I did think that was a good line, though. I thought it was funny. Oh, that's right, in the boardroom. In the boardroom, yeah. That, wait, this is episode three? This is episode three. Yeah, I haven't got that okay. yet. So let, let me let me keep going. Um, so using his company's resources, Danny learns 
the Midland Circle building is a base for the hand, and he goes there. Luke learns the company paying the Harlem kids is in Midland Circle, and he goes there. Jessica learns the building the missing guy was, was going to. That was sad how he learned that, too. That was so sad. With the mom? Yeah. And how her son died. And she seemed like a really nice lady, and then all of her babies died. Yeah. yeah. That was... You can see, like... Heartbreaking. The, uh, the actor... Uh, who's the actor who plays Luke Cage? Damn it. I can't remember his name. Mike Coulter. Mike Coulter. I shouldn't have forgotten You always say cold her. I didn't. Mike Coulter. Coulter. There you go. Anyway, you could tell he, like, he, like... That was the acting when he got choked up. Like, he was, like, legit. Like, I got choked well, up. Well, the actress who played the mom was super believable like you see scenes in movies of moms reacting to children dying before but this felt very true yeah it was it was an emotional moment um and then like it was kind of clever how it was like you you buy my mom a lottery ticket you put it in the box or because she can't reach the box and so yeah and then he sees the the wad of cash that he left her and the midland circle uh address yeah envelope so, so yeah, that's how Luke figures it out. He goes there. Uh, Jessica learns the building the missing guy was going to blow up was Midland Circle, and so she goes there. Mm-hmm. And Matt, interested in Jessica's case and are already aware of the whole uh, under the building from season two, follows Jessica yeah. to Midland Circle. You, so, know, you know what really bothered me? What? Was, uh, I, I can't remember if it was this episode or the episode before, where Matt is tailing Jessica, and then all of a sudden Jessica is tailing Matt, and then, like was, he didn't, he, he should have sensed her. Yeah, he, he should have sensed that he was being followed by her. He would have before she would. Yeah, because you know he's tracking her heartbeat. Then all of a sudden he lost track of her heartbeat because like what, what, that was weird. why? And I then that too. not only that, but he also like doesn't sense that she's close enough to spy on him doing his daredevil. He would have heard stuff. the camera, and also right. she could have given chase to him because he's like backflipping up this fire escape to go up a, onto a rooftop. She could fly. Yeah, she didn't fly too much in this show until the very end, which I was glad to see. Yeah, because I almost feel like they almost forgot about that power. Yeah, that she has. So I mean, it's not really flying; it's more like falling with style, <laughs> like Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that yeah, that was that this episode. That was this episode too. Yeah. Okay. And so so they all meet at Midland Circle for the first time, and they fight the hand, and Electra in the most awesome scene ever. I watched this scene like as soon as I saw it. You could ask my wife. We rewound that scene like 10 times just so I could watch it. I think you overhyped it for me. Did I? Yeah, because I wasn't that. I loved I, it. I still think the Daredevil hallway fights are, are better. Um, Th- that's to true. Me, but like, to, and to me in this one, like, like Jessica Jones wasn't that cool in it. Um, she's not a fighter. I mean, the choreography is definitely, you know, again, better than Iron Fist 3. But, and she's not a fighter, but I mean. I, she's strong, but she's not a fighter. Yeah, I guess. It was, yeah, the choreography in this was best. It was good to see Iron, Iron Fist as, as a better fighter than, than that. I just, I, I love the scene where, like, he's, you know, about to be taken over by these guys, and he's trying to activate his fist, and then, like, all of a sudden Luke Cage busts in. And he's like, you? And he's like, me. And then, like, they, they start playing the run, that Run the Jewels song. That Run the Jewels, is, they ha- they're having a lot of songs in Marvel properties, because they have, Legend Has It is the song that they used in the Black Panther trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one, I like this song better. It was just a good fit. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. It was, it was pretty good. Like, and then they're like kicking ass. I'm like, heroes for hire. And then, <laughs> and then uh, Luke Cage, like, you know, blocks the bullets and like Danny's like hiding behind him, you know? And it was like a perfect, perfect heroes for hire moment. Perfect defenders moment. This, that's the stuff I wanted to see from the show. And, and they really delivered in the scene in, in with the, the fight against Elektra and Daredevil and, uh, and how Iron Fist, it seems like his Iron Fist is getting more powerful because it's not just the physical contact, but it has like this 
force behind it. Yeah. That almost felt like, because we know the Iron Fist has an effect where he could like kind of fire the chi out of his hand in the Hadouken. comics. Like a Hadouken. It kind of felt like that. That may be as far as this goes. He uses it later on in the show too when he like uses it and yeah. like force blasts all these people away. Yeah. It's really cool. So that's it for that episode. Uh, that's probably my favorite episode. Just because yeah. of that end scene. Yeah, I agree. Uh, episode four is the Royal Dragon. The four run and hide in a Chinese restaurant where they compare notes. Stick shows up and provides the backstory about the five fingers of the hand and how they're the elders of Kunlun outcasted for using the city's mysticism for selfish immortality. Jessica leaves, not believing any of it, and learns the missing guy's family is being watched by the hand. Uh, Alexandra shows up at the restaurant, tries to convince Danny to join her. He refuses, and the hand swarms the restaurant. Jessica returns in time to help. Not too much in this episode. It was it was the, oh, yeah, but the little not I, too much, but a lot too. I mean, yeah, as far as standouts, a lot of backstory. Yeah, the them sitting around, you know, eating Chinese food was was still cool. I still enjoyed. Yeah, that. it was still the, entertaining. The interactions. You know? Yeah. Well, the, like when I say the interactions and motivations feel very believable, I think mostly to this episode because this is where you really start establishing the relationships between the characters and it's believable and yeah. it's solid. Yeah. It was a good episode. So this these were the first four episodes that were released to critics. Right. Before. I, I, you know, I was thinking about that at the end of the fourth episode. I was like, why would anyone think that this was like a, a, a worrisome in, like series yeah. of these four episodes in? Because actually right now it's like it's a good series. Yes. Yeah. If anything, like some of the weaker episodes come later, later. on. Yeah. But not earlier on. Right, right, right. I think people were just expecting the fighting to take place right away. But I liked how like they set up the individual stories in the first episode. They started meeting in the second. They all met in the third. And then they, you know came to discuss, you know, had interactions in the fourth, built relationships in the fourth. Yeah. That felt like it's a good pacing. Yes. Great pacing. Really good pacing. And yes. so, yeah, I did. I didn't understand that at yeah. all. Oh, so, okay. So episode five takes shelter. The defenders fight the hand and Electra at the restaurant. Daredevil tries to reason with Electra, which confuses her and leads her to leave and kind of try to discover herself. The four heroes flee the hand. though Luke Cage is able to capture Sawande for interrogation. Uh, Swande threatens the Defender's loved ones, which prompts them to put all of them in protective custody with Misty's help. During this, Colleen is attacked by a resurrected Bakudo who injures her and puts her out of commission. Swande is decapitated by Stick after trying to escape. The remaining fingers of the hand, uh, Gao, Bakudo, Murakami, question Alexandra's leadership and reliance on Electra. Electra goes to Matt's apartment and starts regaining her memories. I'm just wondering, like, if Misty Knight was, is such a good detective... Like, isn't she questioning, like, what relationship Foggy and Karen have to the Defenders? Because, like, you know, no one knows Matt Murdock's secret identity. But for some reason, like, he's important enough to have people that need to be put in protective custody, I guess. I think because the story is that Matt's representing Jessica and Jessica is embroiled in the situation. I don't know. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. I don't know. I didn't think about that. Um, maybe she just... Maybe she did question them, and they won't tell her. I don't know. But they need to be protected regardless. Um, I thought it was interesting how Colleen was injured mid-episode by Bakudo, because really she could have been the fifth de- uh, defender. Member of the defenders. Yeah. yeah. She she really had the ability. And, and she really wanted and, to and be, too. To she be wanted to go her. into the fight. Yeah. That would have been interesting, too. If they expand the roster in like season two of the defenders, if they have a season two, then I'm sure she'll be on there. Along with um, Misty. Misty Jones. 
Misty Jones. Misty Jones. Misty Knight. Misty Knight, yeah. Um, and her robotic arm. Um, so, are you thinking Jessica Jones? Yes. Yeah. Um, so, this, uh, this was the episode that made me like the Iron Fist hand better. I think that's the only note I have on it. It was really fun seeing all the side characters meeting at the NYPD. I think we already addressed that. So. Yeah. Episode 6, Ashes, Ashes. Matt, Jessica, and Luke decide that the, uh, since the hand need the Iron Fist for their plan that they should hide Danny. Danny disagrees and attacks them. They all manage to knock him out and tie him up. Luke and Stick watch him while Jessica and Matt investigate more into what the missing guy's plan was to stop the hand using the explosives. They find the blueprints of Midland Circle and learn that there's something deep beneath it. Alexandra tries to convince, convince Electra that she's no longer the person that she was before she died. Stick incapacitates Luke with poison smoke and attempts to kill Danny to keep the hand from using him. But Stick is killed by Electra, who captures Danny and brings him to the hand. Alexandra brags to the other fingers, but is killed by Electra, who claims new leadership of the group. This was episode... This is episode six. Six? Holy cow. Yeah. Uh, the start of the episode, Danny's back to being a dickhead. I didn't like that. I didn't, like... I did, I was, I, that didn't put me off as, as, as much as it did for he you. He should be smarter than that. He should know that, no, you shouldn't be out there joining the fight because they will use that against you. They need you to be there. They're, you're playing into their plan, obviously, Danny. You fucking idiot. But I don't like the way the others handled it either. You know? Yeah, they're um, kind of dickheads too. Everyone was being dickheads. Stop being dickheads. Uh, I thought it was interesting how it seemed like Matt was a better martial artist than... Danny, which shouldn't be the case. Right. Um, because, you know, Danny didn't go to law school. That's apparent. He's not that smart. But he did spend a vast majority of his life just going through rigorous kung fu training. Right. He should be a better fighter than Matt. Um, should be a better fighter than he's depicted, period. True. Yes. Um, and, you know, Matt's no slouch. He's extremely well skilled by, you know, one of the leaders of the chaste stick but he still shouldn't be better than than danny even without the iron fist is this is stick one of the leaders of the chaste because i remember like in daredevil yes. season one like he goes back to like the leader of the chaste and they ask is you know is will he fight for us uh, and stone but i think they're stick and stick stick and stone are the leaders of the chaste yes okay yeah um and i guess stone died apparently because i guess all the members of the chaste died in this yeah but they never addressed that um, so that scene was a little annoying for me, but I, I, it's cool just to see them use their powers. It's cool to see Matt back in the costume and everything. I like think that. it was sort of like one of those things where it's like, oh, you know, like in, in films, you need an action beat like every 10 minutes. Exactly. It felt like an, an action beat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like a requisite one. Do you know what song Daredevil was playing on the piano? Uh, his opening theme. It was his opening theme. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> I thought that was kind of clever, too. How like well, Once she said, like, oh, he always used to come on and play on the piano, I was like, it's in the piano! <laughs> I saw that. Well, I, why didn't Jessica Jones think about that? She's the detective. You would And like, when Matt's going over to the piano, she's like, what are you doing? Because for the first part, it kind of felt like Jessica was kind of the brains of the operation, except in that moment. Um, it felt like Matt was the brains of the operation. That's true. That's true. But Matt was also the leader, so, I, you know... I don't know. Yeah. It was interesting, regardless. Um, the twist when Electra killed uh, Sigourney Weaver, I, like, my mouth dropped. My my, my white wife's mouth dropped. We both looked at each other, and I was like, holy poops! 
Totally did not see that coming. I thought it was a good twist. Definitely glad it happened, though, again, yeah. I guess. Because, again, I didn't. I never cared for Alexandra. Yeah. A lot of, like, important people died that episode. Like, to the Defender's story. Like, Stick and Alexandra both died that episode. It was They were both shocking deaths. A lot happened this episode. It was like a. It was like the big twisty episode of, yeah. of the series yeah. of the season. Um, episode seven: Fish in the Jailhouse. Matt, Jessica, and Luke are brought to the police station regarding Swande and Stick's death. They tell Misty about the hand. Electra takes Danny to the mystical wall under Midland Circle so she can open it with his iron fist. He refuses, but she tricks him into doing it, revealing a cavern of dragon bones from Cunlan. Matt, Jessica, and Luke escape the police station and go to Midland Circle, where they fight the remaining fingers of the hand. Colleen helps them, bringing with her the missing guy's explosives that he stole from, or that she stole from the evidence locker. This one, if there was ever a filler episode, it was the first half of this first half of this episode. They spent a lot of time in the police station. In the police station, yeah, I felt like that happened a lot, like in the Luke Cage series too. Like yeah. so much filler happens in that in that police station. It's it's, I I don't know. Yeah, and also with Electra talking with Danny, there was a lot of filler there too. She made it seem like she was the one that killed the Cunlan elders, or made it Cunlan disappear. I don't think that's true. Uh, it's still a mystery what happened to Cunlan. And yeah, Alexander told I, I, him that like you saw what you wanted to see or something like that. I, yeah, I was definitely under the impression that the hand kind of like took over Cunlan, but I yeah. But their whole goal it? was to return back to Cunlan. So yeah, I to don't go think back. They did. Yeah, something happened there. Um, Electra, I think she just said that because she was trying to get him angry. Do you think that's sort of like a retcon? Like it's possibly a retcon. I st- I'm not sure they figured out what, why why Conlon disappeared at the end of Iron Fist, but yeah, she told that to Danny because she wanted him to activate his Iron Fist. She well, could you that- only access Conlon like every ten years or something yes. like that anyway? Yeah. So they, they establish that in the show, or is that just from the comic? They established that. I can't in, remember in the show and the comic. Although, so why the hell was he trying to get to Conlon in the first place? That's true. Maybe he just went at the wrong time. You know. Like, yeah, it's not always going to be available. Because it hasn't been 10 years since he since he left. Right, the pass is not always going to be open. But in the, the comics, fuck, Danny? in the comics, he did develop, he does have, like, a back door. He was able to train his chi so that he could open up a portal to Kunlun whenever he wants to. So, um, hopefully he does that in the next season. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, so Electra told him that so he'd open the door. When, when Danny activated the Iron Fist, I was like, I know where this shit's going, idiot. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was interesting how she did it, how she ditched. As soon as he activated the Iron Fist, she ditched the sword, uh, picked up the size, and, you know, the, the size are a very versatile tool. She was able to use them pragmatically, or not pragmatically, practically, to, you know, trap his fist and make it punch the wall. Yeah. She's clever. He's not. <laughs> he should be more clever than that. Idiot. Um, it, the, 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 the fight between Daredevil, Jessica, and Luke against the remaining members of the, the, the remaining fingers in the hand... That was a pretty cool scene. It was a cool action beat. Um, it was cool to finally see Madame Gao get punched. Right? Because she's like, <laughs> she's always been this like mystical, unstoppable force through all these shows this whole time. And like it's cool to see her more vulnerable. Like she's not all powerful. Like she can still get the shit kicked out of her too. Jessica Jones punched her, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah that's probably best. <laughs> uh, so last episode, uh, which was titled The Defenders. Gao explains to Danny the dragon bones are the substance used to grant resurrection and that removing them will weaken the foundations in New York City. 
Matt, Jessica, and Luke go down into the hole to get Danny, while Colleen and Claire place the explosives to bring the building down into the hole. The four defenders together fight the Hand and Electra in the cavern. Colleen, Claire, and Misty are confronted by Bakudo, who chops off Misty's arm with his sword. Colleen decapitates Bakudo, but accidentally starts the explosives timer. That was a little weird. Yeah. Uh, Matt tells Jessica, Luke, and Danny to get out while he holds back Electra and tries to get through to her. Midland Circle comes down in the explosion, and the cavern below comes down around Matt and Electra as the others escape. The incident is covered up by police, and Iron Fist takes up Daredevil's mantle as the protector, protector of Hell's Kitchen. Luke and Jessica possibly rekindle their relationship, uh, and at the very end, Matt turns out to be alive, badly damaged, and in the care of a nun named Maggie. His mom. His mom. Spoiler alert! Spoilers! <laughs> uh, so if you know, uh, Maggie was revealed to be a nun that was his mom that abandoned Matt and his father when they were when he, Matt was young to become a nun. That was revealed in the Born Again uh, story arc by Frank Miller. Um, hopefully they kind of adapt that story for the next season of Luke Cage because that was a great story. Really, uh, it's where Kingpin learns the identity of Matt Murdock and just truly makes his life hell. Yeah. And uh, it would be a fantastic season. And I, I think it would be, it, it's cool that they brought in his mom and reveal that she was a nun this whole time, just like how they did in the comics. Yeah. Um, I don't know what happened with Elektra. I know she. I don't even know what happened with Matt. How did he get out of it? That's exactly. Part of me thinks that maybe like during the cave in. And how did he end up like in it, in a nunnery of all things? Exactly. Yeah. Who dropped him off there? I. Well, we know that Electra can't die, so maybe we know she survived the attack. Maybe she saved him and dropped him off there. Maybe he was able to survive through inhaling dragon bone dust or something. That has to be. The reason they survived was because of the dragons. I think I pretty much guarantee that. Well, she would survive anyway because she didn't get decapitated. But they would have to find a way out of there. There would have to be some other tunnel out of there besides the elevator. So what that is, I have no idea. Gao and Murakami possibly survived too because we didn't see them get decapitated. Right. It's possible. Good, because those are my two kind of favorites. Basically. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. my two favorite members of the hand. Everyone else... Could go f off. I mean, you, still, you still have like the the uh, what was it uh, steel serpent to to deal with an iron fist. Right. She, so Gao needs she's to survive, tied yeah. to that. Yep. And then you know I still want to see badass ninjas if they go back to the hand, which I'm I'm not sure they will. I hope that maybe they may not for the next season of Daredevil because you know if they do do the born again, which I think they will. Yeah. Uh, then the Kingpin is the villain, which yes. is awesome. I'm which looking is, forward to that. I want to see the Kingpin return. He's, He's going to get out of jail. Oh man, it's going to be awesome. Yes. Um, but you know, you still leave the door open for cool zombie ninjas with down the line. Yeah. 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 I hope Daredevil season three is like a full season length episode of that scene with Matt and a kingpin in the, uh, prison interrogation. That was so cool. Like that scene, like stretched over whole full season. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, this is the first time we see Jessica Jones fly. She flew up to catch the elevator cord to save the, the others. Yeah. Um, and the only note I have left, it was uh, I was really glad that they didn't save Matt's survival for the next season of Daredevil because I thought that's what they were going to do. I was really glad to see him uh, in that same shot that they used in the panel where it's the overhead shot of him laying on the bed all bandaged up with the nun next to him. Yeah. That was really cool. So 
Uh, that's it for the story breakdown. Final thoughts on the show, um, where we give our rating of the show. Um, I have to give the show four stars. I thought it was just a notch below like Daredevil Season 2, which I gave four and a half stars. Uh, I thought it was really well done. It was A lot of this was exactly what I wanted to see. Yeah. Um, it totally met my It could have gone even further and matched Jessica Jones and Daredevil Season 1 in terms of villain. But the fact that they didn't do it didn't ruin the moments... The, the, the interactions the, the between hero, you know, heroes. The characters. Yes. You know, and, you know, Marvel's all about characters. Um, and I, I think these ones, getting to see them interact was, you know, it was something that had been hinted at and didn't disappoint in the long run. They did it really well. It was a really well done show. Yeah. Would I have liked to have seen Alexandra be the demonic beast from the comics? That's, yeah. That's the mystical force behind the hand? Yes. Yeah, the and fact the, that they didn't do that, and the fact that they can, the hand gets their mysticism, they they trace its roots back to Kanlan is interesting because yeah. it kind of ties a lot of things together. But I would have rather have seen the Kunlun and the Chase to be separate entities, like the Light Force compared to the Dark Beast Force yeah. of the hand. When you were talking about Electra's, uh, you know, backstory in, in, in the last episode when, in, during our match between Electra and Katana. And you were talking about the beast. I was looking for that throughout the whole series. Yeah. You know, because I, you know, I still wasn't convinced that, that, uh, Alexandra wasn't the beast, but then like when they went down and they found the dragon bones and you heard Madame Gao talking and she was talking about these beasts, you know, have kept us alive and stuff like that. That was interesting. I was like, Oh, so that's the spin that they did on it. The beasts are dragons, are dragons essentially. Yeah. That was an interesting spin. in a way, it kind of makes sense, like, why would they would want to return to Kunlun? Because this is the last, like, crop of dragon bones left on, on this plane, essentially. Right. Maybe there's more. Shao Lao is supposed to be undying, even though he gets his heart ripped out or whatever. He comes back every generation. But, uh, so, yeah, so maybe that's how why they would want to go back. To get, maybe to get more substance from the source. And maybe even take over Kunlun this time. Right. Who knows? Uh, either way, uh, it was interesting. It, like it was overall, like it was kind of far fetched their plan and everything, but it fits within the universe. I think they made it work. I think they pulled it off. Still could have used a better better villain. Do you agree with the four stars rating? Yeah, I I, I think uh, it gets four stars because of the weak villain. Yeah. Um, and really, that's that's it. Honestly, I mean. It's, they didn't have as many like uh, like side stories and stuff like that as other series, the other series uh, to contend with, and the pacing was really well done. Um, it would have been nice to see a little bit more uh, team dynamic. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, along the way, but you couldn't do that unless you extended the length of the show, and I think the length of the show was pretty good. Yeah, maybe like in future seasons of the Defenders, we get to see more team dynamic. I also think like you know, as far as stakes go, like. I don't think they went... I think they could have gone further. Yeah. Um, just because, like, yeah. you know, like, when... Like, in, in any film or anything like that, like, you know... if it, To me, like, a, a really good story is where, like, you know, the thing that the hero doesn't want to have happen... Is what happens. Is what has to happen. Yeah. And, and to an extent, they sort of done th- did that when they opened the door with, with Iron Fist. That's what they were trying to prevent the entire the entire series. But really, like, if they could have had it so that, like, the five fingers of the fist do make it to Kanlan, like, that would have even been bigger, you know? But they would have destroyed New York City in the process. 
So I guess the I more suppose. immediate the more immediate goal was saving New York City. Yeah. Even more so than preventing them from going to Kunlun. Yeah. So like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right, that does it for the review. Uh, hopefully, you guys enjoyed it too. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Write into us on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. Just do a or, search for Dynamic Duel, or you can email us or email us at dynamicduelpodcast at, uh, dy- at gmail dot com. Yeah. And um, again, I always like to say this every time. We give reviews just because we like talking about these stories, these films, and these shows. Uh, critics don't matter so much as the critic that you agree with the most. So whatever our opinions are of the show, um, they're, they're not, they're not, uh, gospel basically. Does that make sense? Uh, I would be, I'm always absolutely interested in hearing other people's opinions of the show. And so we'd love to hear from you. So yeah, definitely if you can, or if you want to, uh, reach out to us. And, uh, I guess we'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Our next episode, we're going to be reviewing, the IMAX movie. I can't believe we're dedicating a whole show to that. Uh. You probably wouldn't, but it's an IMAX, you know? And it's probably, since it's an IMAX, the two, I'm assuming the two first episodes of Inhumans are going to be pretty self-contained. Yeah. Or this at least is, have some kind of arc. This makes me, like, really regret that we didn't review The Killing Joke last year when they did that limited run in theaters. We, sh- we should probably come back to that. Um, if we ever find ourselves, you know, without an idea for the next episode... Let's review The Killing Joke, because it did go to theaters, and uh, we, we probably dropped the ball there. Yeah. So, um, if that ever happens again, if any of the other animated films go to theaters, let's, let's watch it in theaters and review it. For sure. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll see you guys in, in two weeks. Please hit that subscribe button, and uh, we'll talk to you guys then. Yep. Are you going to give the hint? Oh, yeah. So, this isn't so much of a hint for the trivia question as much as uh, uh, like a clarification or stipulation. Uh, so the question was, what were the first live action television series for both DC and Marvel? The hint is film shorts and segments and other shows don't count. We're looking for full fledged series, series, you know, named after the characters that they're about. Cool. So, uh, that's, uh, that's the, that's the hint. That's the question right into us with the answer. Get a no prize and we'll see you guys in two weeks. Yep. Up, up and away. True believers.